But I just want to address one thing before we dive into the word. We've been on this series. Anybody know the name? Awesome. And last week we discussed that God's power, God's power is attracted to a person who has faith. And this is an encouragement, okay, not a correction. Okay? Smile. Romans chapter 12 verse 3 says, don't have to go there, just write it down, read it later. Uh, This is encouragement, so you can look at me. Romans chapter 12 verse 3 says, don't think too highly of yourself. Okay? See, when we are experiencing things like this, we have to know who God is and who we are. And so he says, Paul says, don't think too highly of yourself. You've gotten saved, I'm paraphrasing now, you got saved by grace through faith. It wasn't your work that saved you, it was his grace and your faith. All right? So every person in this room, every person that's listening to me now, has a measure of faith. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says, for you have been saved by grace through faith. And so, sorry, Romans says this, you, you don't think too highly of yourself because to each one has been given a measure, say measure, a measure of faith. So a measure is a limited amount of faith. Say limited. It's not limited edition like you have cars and stuff like that. All of us are limited editions. There's nobody else like, like you. What a compliment. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're clapping for yourself. I'm, I'm so happy. But, but please track with me now. Okay, he says, don't think too highly of yourself. You just have a limited measure of faith. Okay? But that limited amount of faith is what God uses to move mountains. He says, your faith is small as a mustard seed. That's That's not big. It's very small. And you can talk to this tree and you tell it to go throw itself in the sea and it will happen. You talk to this mountain, be moved and thrown into the sea, it will happen. To each person has been given a measure of faith. A measure of faith. And he says, don't think too highly of yourself. Think according to the measure God has given you. So which means... What I'm trying to say is that when God starts doing crazy stuff through your life, don't think too highly about yourself. Do you understand? When the miracles are breaking out, fibroids are falling out, cancers being healed, debts being paid off. Must understand this is a prophetic church, so I don't know. When all these things are happening in your life and it's happening through your life, Paul is saying, don't think too highly of yourself. It's not about you. So today, the title of my message, The Gift of Increased Faith. 
Okay, so today is a Bible teaching, and I need you to have your student lenses on. We're going to go through the word, and you are going to absolutely walk out of this room filled with the power of God, filled with faith, okay? So we ended last week's message by talking about how Jesus is looking. This is on, in the parable of the, the, the widow, the persistent widow. We ended by talking about Jesus comes to the earth. When the Lord comes, will he find faith on the earth, right? The reason why he wants to find faith, and he was talking about persistence, it's not that God wants you to be persistent with your prayer. He wants you to be persistent with your faith. There's a difference. Christians have been taught to pray persistently. Pray, 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 pray without faith. They pray till they have faith. We worship, worship, worship till we feel the presence of God. It's striving. And God is looking for people who are not praying but have faith. So, <laughs> so he, he tells his disciples, no man knows when the Lord is coming. Do you know that? Remember that in the Gospels, he's telling his disciples, no man knows, not even the Son of Man knows when he's coming. Only the Father knows when the Son of Man is coming to the earth. But then he goes on to say this, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in there. So when he is in our midst, what is he looking for? Persistent faith. He's looking for people who have faith. For example, we come into this room, uh, we, we come here every single Friday. You might come here because it's a church priority. You might come here because it's a tick on the box. You might come here because you have friends or maybe good music, maybe a good looking pastor, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but whatever your reasons are, after today it has to change. <laughs> because, because God comes in a room, comes into a room because he's attracted to people who gather in his name. People who have faith in him. Do you understand? So, if you look at in the Gospels, Jesus uh, uh, was, was, went to his hometown. He went to his home. So all the guys are like, homie, what's up? <laughs> to Jesus. And Jesus was like now, comes into the temple and he's just taking out the Bible and the Torah and he starts preaching to his homies. And all these guys are like, wow, this is phenomenal. What a word. I hear this every Friday. What a word. Who is this guy again? How can he speak such kind of words? And then one homie tells the other homie, dude, it's the carpenter's son, man. Who gave him his biblical degree? Where did he get his divinity from? Biblical divinity. 
Who gave him the authority to start a church? Come on now, I'm getting to the... All these startups, you know, they break away from churches and they start up and they do all these things. They say God has called, but they themselves call themselves. I would like to ask those people this question. Who called Jesus as the son of God? He himself. So, my point to what I'm saying is that even the son of God could not do anything in his home church because of a lack of faith. You might be sitting in this room today and you came here for whatever reason. If it is not persistent faith in Jesus, you will walk away from here disappointed. But I'll tell you something. Your appointment with the power of God is here, right here, right now. And God set your life up in such a way to make you available, to fly you from across the world, to bring you into this moment, to give you a job in this nation so that you can come and sit in these very chairs to to experience the power of God. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. If you don't have faith, it's of no use. Jesus could not do anything. He just healed a few sick, brother. Few sick, and he went into another town where he was welcome. Now, I'm not talking about whether you welcome Kelsey and me. We know your hearts, you love us, it's absolutely fine. We're not persecuted by you. But this church is about one person. It is about Jesus. This church exists for Jesus. This church exists as the body of Jesus on the earth. So my encouragement to you is when you come into the body of Jesus, at least honor the body. At least honor the body that you've come and sat into. At least acknowledge him in the room. Don't acknowledge sleepiness and drowsiness and your time, I've got to go home now. Persistent faith is what he's looking for. People who have heard promises for all their life have sat, sit in this room believing, sitting at the edge of their seat, believing that today is the day. Today is the day that the power of God will be attracted to my faith. How many of you in this room have faith for the power of God? Right now, I just believe, right now, just lift your hands up. If you want to stand, you can stand. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, I release the power, the surging power of the Holy Spirit to every person that is hungry right now, that every promise that came with a yes, we say amen to it right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 You can have a seat. Wonderful. Wonderful. But each of us have, all of us in this room have a measure of faith. And I'm not talking about that faith today. Okay? Because you already have it. I'm talking about something 
that he has that is his that he wants to share with you. Actually, he will allow you to use it. This is a Bible teaching. People go to university to study this. Bible university. So consider yourselves graduates after today. You've graduated, no problem. Really good. So as students, I would love for you to open your textbooks <laughs> to Luke chapter three. And I'm gonna take you systematically, okay? Systematically. To the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, uh, we need to understand the Holy Spirit. It's very, very important. Because the next three months, and the next three years, and the next 30 years, will be filled. Listen, I'll tell you, people will consider us crazy. But they are crazy because they don't know what we have. Do you understand? So consider yourself blessed. Just say, I'm blessed. I'm awesome. Open. So you had Luke 3? Yes. Luke chapter 3. And we'll read from verse 21. This is a familiar passage, but don't treat it with familiarity. It's absolutely okay. Not a problem. So Luke chapter 3, it's if, listen to me now, quickly, one second, just one second, I just caught something. If you get familiar with the word, it can lead to offense. Familiarity leads to offense, and offense will restrict your faith from engaging with the power of God. So don't get familiar. Every time you read the scripture, you have to read it with fresh eyes. Say fresh eyes. Fresh Actually, put your hand on your eyes right now. Say, Lord, Lord give me fresh eyes. 2020 vision in 2019. Amen. To get it? To get it. Right, so verse 21. It's prophetic, man. I'm telling you, everything's prophetic. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice from heaven which said, You are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. It's absolutely phenomenal. Go to chapter 4. Verse 1, then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. Stop. Go back to verse 22 in chapter 3. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a, where? Upon him. Like a dove upon him. Go back to verse 1 again of chapter 4. Then Jesus being Jesus being? So, this is my Bible upon me. This is my Bible in me. By faith. 
Do you understand? There's a difference. Something happened to Jesus, okay? So then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those, those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Let me read it again because you're looking at me like you've never heard, read that before. Then Jesus, okay, I'll read from, from verse 22. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And when they had ended, he was hungry. Now, I want you to go to verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And the news of him went out throughout all the surrounding region. That's a good news. Jesus didn't even do anything. He was just filled with power. Okay. No. <laughs> this would help a lot of pastors and I'm hoping you're listening to what I'm saying. Stop promoting yourself. Let the power promote you. Do you understand? Let, when Jesus was filled with power, the news about him went out to all the cities. You want a job? New job? New promotion? Right? Don't, don't, don't go and ask your boss. Let the power of God go and convince your boss. Your job is to be filled with the power. How many of you like being in Bible University today? Good, isn't it? So how you read your Bible. I'm just starting, so it's going to be good. This instance of the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus is also mentioned in John chapter 1. This is the Gospels, John chapter 1 verse 32. And John the Baptist is witnessing this thing happening to Jesus. It wasn't Jesus actually writing. It wasn't the disciples writing. It was John that was witnessing what Jesus was experiencing. And he said, when he came out of the water, the heavens opened and the spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And John says something phenomenal. Do you want to know what he says? It remained on him. When you and I get baptized in water, it's called water baptism. We're submerged, we go, we're immersed into water. So what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? This is new revelation, so you have to really lean into it. When we get baptized, 
When Jesus got baptized, he got baptized into water. When you and I got baptized, we got baptized into water. But the Holy Spirit gets baptized. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not called your baptism. Where does the Holy Spirit come? So John says of Jesus, he says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You must understand that God is looking to submerge the Holy Spirit into you. He's trying to immerse the Holy Spirit into you. There's something that happened to Jesus when the Holy Spirit came upon him and then it filled him. When it filled the Jesus, it started leading him. Something happened to Jesus, the man, when he stood, when he came out of the river, the Holy Spirit descended upon him and Jesus, the man, did not exist anymore. When he got filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the God-man, The God-man. Not the man of God. The Because the Holy Spirit took over. Some of us need to allow the Holy Spirit to take over. So you can ask him anytime you want right now. Get it? Anytime right now. You can ask him anytime right now. Yeah, that's it. Holy Spirit, take over my body. Take over my body right now. When the Holy Spirit filled Jesus, it led him not to church. Where did it take him? For what? You will have a newfound respect for temptation and testing today. All of us are like, oh, run away, run away. Oh, close my eyes, don't run away. Don't us. <laughs> but it, I would encourage you, if you're not filled with the Spirit, don't go to the wilderness. A lot of us get filled with our own ego and we like to take on the devil. Jesus I know, Peter I know, who are you? <laughs> so, don't think too highly of yourself. <laughs> so, when the Holy Spirit filled Jesus, it led him into the wilderness to be tempted and tested of the devil. Something happened to Jesus between being filled with the Holy Spirit and coming out of the wilderness. When you and I go through testing in our personal lives, I'm not talking about the, the recession and the economy and you know, all that kind of drama that we, those lies that we believe. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the personal storms. When you and I go through it, especially in this church, we have to understand what the Holy Spirit is doing with us. The Holy Spirit led Jesus to be tempted of the devil and in that, those times, 
Every temptation, Jesus overcame him with the word. A lot of Christians think they have the power but don't have the knowledge of the word. It is the, author, the authority of the, in the kingdom of God comes because you have the knowledge of the word of God within you. But something changed with Jesus when he started overcoming temptation. One by one. It didn't all come at the same time. But it was 40 days of it. We only know of three of them. And when the devil was done, finished, can't do any more with this guy. Can't do any more with this church. I've tested them. The Holy Spirit is filling this church. And then the church is being tested. Oh, why are we going through all this? Let's get the intercessors to fast and pray. Not the church, the intercessors have to suffer. <laughs> and so we have now this false form of religion that creeps into the church. Let me tell you, your wilderness experience is the most powerful experience that will propel you to experience the power of God in your life. The wilderness experience. When you have no money, you have no friends around you, it's all sand. Huh? Nothing. Even baggy noodles is too expensive in those days. I know some of you are laughing, but you know what I'm talking about. Right? You have nobody around you. Everybody's left you. I want to ask you in those days, are you filled with the Spirit? Or are you filled with disappointment? Because if you're filled with disappointment, guess what? Who's going to have a field day with you? But if you're filled with the Spirit, Jesus chose not to eat. He chose not to eat. It's not like Jesus decided, okay, I'm going to go on a fast now. 40 days, I'm going to fast. He chose not to eat. You know why? Because he was filled with the Spirit. He was full of the Spirit. And every, and this is a word for you, every little personal victory in your life. Please listen to me very carefully. Every personal victory, the little ones that come your way, it increases your capacity. It increases your faith. So that the power of God can come and dwell on the inside of you. A lot of the times Christians are powerless. They're, they have faith. They have a measure of faith. But they don't want to go and exercise the faith. It's only when you're going through a wilderness experience that your faith now is being tested. It's not Jesus that was tested. It was his faith that was tested. Come on, man. When your faith is tested... When the knowledge of God's word in your life is tested, that's when the capacity begins to increase. The measure begins to increase. And when you have faith, faith, persistent faith, even though it was 40 days, 40 nights of being tested and tempted, his faith did not go down. He came out of the wilderness filled with power. Filled. He was surging with power. Do you understand? 
A lot of the times people know more bad news about you than they know about the power of God on your life. It tells me who you're hanging out with. If I can give you an, ex, uh, an example of what faith in power look like, please listen to me very carefully now. Your faith is the soil in which the power of God grows in your life. Your faith is the soil in which the power of God grows in your life. So the more you dig the soil, the more you, you stir up the faith within you, the more you exercise God's word in your life and faith in your life, it increases the power. But the power comes for a purpose. Each of us sitting in this room, ladies and gentlemen, all of us in this room, God has, has a plan, a unique plan and purpose. And I'm sure you've heard this in every church that you've gone to. But I want to tell you this again, to remind you, since you've become too familiar with that word, that God has a plan and a purpose, a unique plan. He himself wrote your plan out. He himself wrote your purpose out. And let me tell you something. You can know the plan of God for your life. And you can know the plan. All his plans. All his promises are yes and amen. You can know all of it. But without the power, you cannot have purpose. The power of God comes and fills you in order for you to fulfill the purpose that God has for your life. God's plan is not your plan. He's clearly said it in the scriptures. So stop trying to give God your plans and saying, God, this is what I want for my life. Oh dear. Oh, <laughs> a lot of the times as Christians, we go to God and say, God, I need a new car. God doesn't want to give you a new car. Because if he wanted you to have a new car without you asking, he would have given you the new car. That's your plan versus his plan. God, I want a new job. <laughs> God's like, Baba, be faithful to the one you have now. See, a lot of the times we want to grow very fast. But God wants us to take time. Because he wants you to grow deeper. He wants you to grow stable. He wants you to grow mature. So that when you are ready for the blessing, he brings it to you. See, God is not a bad father that he will withhold blessings from you. Do you understand? He's not evil, but he's looking for a person with persistent faith so that when he comes to you, your measure of faith is equal to the measure of the blessing in your life. But I must tell you this though, that the Holy Spirit would not, could not lead Jesus if Jesus was not submitted to him. And you have to make a decision in your life whether you submit to the Holy Spirit fully or not. Submission looks like this. You wake up in the morning and you don't look at your phone. That's what submission looks like. You wake up in the morning, you open your eyes, and the first thing you talk to is the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit. What are we going to do today? 
and whatever he says, do it. Most times, he won't say take a day off. <laughs> that's what you're expecting, isn't it? Yeah, that's your plan. Most times, he says, go to work. But when you go to work, there's a person there that is suffering. I've got the power. I don't know if I'm preaching to the right church right now. There are days when God would say, go to the mall. This is when Kelsey was flying. I'll go to the mall and God would say, take a right, take a right. Take a left, take a left. And then I'll be walking. And then he'll say, do you see that person in the wheelchair? Do you see that person in the wheelchair there? Say, yes. He said, I brought them here for you. Lay hands on them and call them out of the wheelchair. (laughs) This is what it means to live a life that's submitted to the Holy Spirit. A lot of the times we have control issues because we have our own plan and purpose. This is what I want for my career. Do you know that your career, just letting you know, your career doesn't take you to heaven? Your career does not even add an ounce of faith to your life. Your career, your so-called position, promotion, all of that stuff that you're really going after, you spend eight, ten hours a day working. Some of you do even overtime. You're working trying to get this stuff done and it has absolutely no eternal significance. But here's what I can tell you though. Some of you are clapping hesitantly. That's okay. No problem. I know it's, a, it's, it's an encouraging word. But I want to I I say this to you. That there's nothing wrong with having a career. But when your career is submitted to the Holy Spirit. And you say, Holy Spirit, every job, every promotion, every, every path that I'm taking in my career is for your purpose and for your glory. Now he will take you into places that you've never even dreamt of before. He will take you before people that you could not even have the guts to speak to before. He will take you and give you ideas because you are now submitted to the Holy Spirit. When you're submitted to the Holy Spirit, When you're, I'm taking my time with this message because you, it has to become a part of our value system. Okay? When you're submitted to the Holy Spirit fully or whatever parts of your life are submitted to the Holy Spirit, <laughs> the Holy Spirit will begin to express himself through you. It's not always healing. It's not always preaching. But the Holy Spirit wants to express himself through you. And I'm going to show you now very in detail, very minute, very systematically, I will show you how the Holy Spirit expresses himself through your life, okay, through the life of Jesus. But before we do that, the Holy Spirit wants to express himself through his nature and his abilities through you. So if you can write this down, there are two aspects of the Holy Spirit's expression. One is his nature, 
and the second are his abilities. They're two separate things. But every Christian, every child of God that is, that is born of the seed of God's word, that is filled with the Holy Spirit, has these two expressions through them. One is the nature of the Holy Spirit, and one is the abilities of the Holy Spirit. And for us as a church, we've received a word that we're manifest sons. In order for you to manifest the son, you need to have his nature and his abilities being expressed by him through you. Not at your will, but his will be done. You understand? So we must understand that the Holy Spirit's nature is described as the ninth fruit of the Holy Spirit. This is in Galatians 5 verse 22 and 23. This is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And his abilities are what we're talking about now over the next few weeks. This is what makes the church sort of like a nuclear bomb. This is, this is where the power, the power of God, where the devil gets scared of you kind of power. Because you said amen, you and I would do it. Yeah. I said, this is the kind of power that the devil gets scared of you. And you're like, mm. Mm. So the gifts of the Spirit, you can study it later, I mean read it later, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 to 11. When, the Holy, when you are submitted to the Holy Spirit, this is how I know Christians, all of us, now you'll be very watchful of your character, okay? This is how the gift of discernment kind of works. These two, nature and abilities, are what we screen people with, Christian people. So the nature of the Holy Spirit is that he's naturally full of love. He's full of joy, peace. He's patient. He's kind. He's good. He's gentle. Suffers long. Long suffering. When we have Christians who love for the sake of receiving love, do not demonstrate perfect love. That area of their life is not submitted to the Holy Spirit. When we see Christians with a long face because of what is happening in their life, every time you talk to them, it's absolute. They took a depression pill and came to church. Every time you meet them outside, how are you? Good. So what's happening in your life? Oh, long story. Maybe we should sit down and have coffee. No, no, no. No coffee in that one. No coffee in that one. Gentleness. See, today's worship was different. It's gentle. It's the spirit. He's patient. Long-suffering. You know, the Christian, Pastor, please pray for me. Yesterday, Yesterday, this persecution started. Yesterday. My boss started. Yesterday. I don't want this job. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. 
I, I'm, I, can, I can guarantee your life is changing right now. Yeah. When we understand that the Holy Spirit is gentle, he's powerful, but gentle. Then I have to shake you to get you to believe a point. Then I have to scream at you. Then I have to shout at you. Then I have to be angry, kick you. He's gentle. And we're all learning to be gentle. All of us. But I'll tell you something, you know. I learned to be gentle when the Lord started talking to me about my dogs. Really. And he said, I created those to give you pleasure. And why are you being rough with my gift? Because we grew up with dogs and they just pull down and yank. Come on, man, sit down, get up. <laughs> what, a, what a guy, man, what a guy. <laughs> Especially when, you know, their stomach is out and they're making pancakes all over the place. <laughs> and you have to clean it. And they look at you, they want to tell you something. Say, so listen, you know, I used to get frustrated with my dogs until the Lord said, can you hear what he's saying? I said, no, Lord. Exactly, he can't speak. <laughs> said, why are you losing your patience over something that can't speak? Why do you treat your dog like he's a human being? So I had to learn to become, okay, come here. Who's <sighs> Okay, sit. And then when you try to be gentle, he, will, he doesn't understand the fruit of the spirit. He starts manifesting other things. So I'm like, Lord, what is this? Huh? You tell me to be gentle, but then this guy, he's like, you need to train him. So it's my fault. Yes. Okay. But gentleness. I must tell you this, though. That the fruit of the Spirit is the foundation of the gifts and abilities of God. The foundation of a building is the fruit of the Spirit. The building itself are the abilities that God gives you. When a person is submitted to the Holy Spirit, and please listen to me very carefully, anybody that comes to you in this church and tries to force you to do something, is not moving in the spirit. The Holy Spirit does not need to force you. He's gentle with you. you, don't have to, you don't have, we don't have to force you to believe. Believe, believe, sit down, come join this church. No, you don't have to do anything like that. You're free to come, free to go. You're free to stay, free to call us family if you want. Free. There's no pressure. Just want you to know that. In this house, we Teach people to love. Love without conditions. 
Love without measure. Love. Say love. So the, so the fruit of the Holy Spirit is the foundation upon which the gifts and abilities that you prophesy, you heal the sick, you do miracles, all that stuff, all the flamboyance of ministry, what we really love and what we, we go for, the foundation of it is the fruit of the Spirit. If you don't go deep in that foundation, your building will be very small. You can think you are prophetic, but if you have no love, you are nothing. You can have a massive church, but if you don't have love, you are nothing. You can have the greatest ministry, healing the sick, casting out demons, cleansing the lepers, and all of that stuff. The world changes, people's lives change, but you don't change. And most times, Christians want to be used but don't want to go deep. Don't want to go deep in the foundation of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Self-control, Sam, I'm telling you, self-control. Control yourself, people. Control. Control. If we can submit to the Holy Spirit, he will teach you to control yourself. When we lose ourselves to addictions, it means that addictions have a power over you and you can't control yourself. Oh, I think I'm stepping on some toes. We'll move on. I think, now you're, I think I've opened your heart too much now. Let me sow some seed into you now. Even better. Are you okay? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. This is very, very powerful. It's systematic, piece by piece, precept upon precept. You can't just overlook this like this. This is how we build our church. Kelsey and I, this is how we build. Very important. This is how you should build your life. Build your life upon the foundation of the Holy Spirit. Foundation, his nature. If you don't have his nature in you, listen, sit with somebody and ask them, do I resemble the Holy Spirit to you? And that other person will actually ask you the question, can I be honest with you? I think you've been fellowshipping with the devil. Because you are showing symptoms of impatience. You're showing symptoms of being rough with people. You're showing symptoms of, of being brash and forcing people to do things. Especially if they're from another religion. Or forget that, if they're from another denomination. If you think, if you think that you are better than they, You've lost the plot. We're all maturing into being Christ-like. Right? Don't think too highly of yourself, brother. Please, my sister. Don't think too highly of your problems also. 
Please, just leave it. Right. Now, since you understand that, let's go to the main passage of today's scripture, okay? Verse 16, chapter 4, verse 16. So he came to Nazareth. We had been brought up. That's his homies. And his custom, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book. Now, please, there's something that you must understand. Jesus was given the book to read. At 30 years old, they become qualified in the Jewish religion to now begin to read the Torah in public and teach. Okay? So he, when he was 30, he was given the Torah. He said, come on, preach, Jesus. And so he opens the book. He found the place, Jesus now, found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. If I were to tell you, here, take this book and open it and read. What would you read? His promises are yes and amen over my life. (laughs) All the plans I have for you. So prosper, brother. We love to read those kind of stuff. But Jesus opens the Bible and he says, hold on a minute. I found myself in the word. I found myself in this book. And then he says, the spirit, there's the Holy Spirit now. Now I'm going to get into theology, okay? The Holy Spirit, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, okay? We stop there. Now he's talking about the spirit of the Lord. Holy Spirit, Okay, now please understand that the Holy Spirit has characteristics. I told you two of them now. There's two things, right? The Spirit of the Lord has its own characteristics. And here's what the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes and he submitted to the Spirit, why did he submit to the Spirit of the Lord? Why did the Spirit of the Lord come upon him? Not the spirit of wisdom, not the spirit of revelation, but the spirit of the Lord. Why? Because he needed it in the wilderness. He needed the authority in the wilderness. Because as a man, you cannot overpower the enemy unless the spirit of the Lord gives you the ability to lord over the devil. You want to overpower Things in your life, temptation, sickness, disease, your storms, all of that. You want to speak to the, to the storms in your life to go. You need the spirit of the Lord upon you. Do you understand? Okay. And so now he says, and this is now how the spirit of the Lord expresses itself. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Please understand the Holy Spirit, when he takes over you, you can't help it but let him preach. So if you say that Jesus is Lord of all lords, 
This is what you, he's talking about. If Jesus is your Lord, that means you are Lord. He cannot be Lord of Lords if you're not a Lord over your life. So when you're the Lord of, when the Spirit of the Lord is upon you and you're the Lord over your life, this is what happens. He begins to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives to, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is only the spirit of the Lord we're talking about. Now I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 11 and I want you to see how, what Isaiah was prophesying over Jesus. And then I'll, my God, your life is going to change today. Oh dear. Whew. Are you there? Isaiah chapter 11? Right? Verse 1. This is Isaiah prophesying about Jesus, the Messiah. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And here we go. The Spirit of the Lord shall... Then he says, no, that's not the only one. Then he goes, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. Which means Jesus' delight was going to be in the fear of the Lord. Which means he walked with such reverence to God. But these are all spirits. They are the seven spirits of God. Please understand, it's one spirit, Holy Spirit. But he has different attributes. Each attribute has its own expression. Are you okay with the Bible? Yes. The seven spirits of God is one spirit but different attributes. The fear of the Lord has its own characteristic. Go back now to again to, to Luke chapter 4. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. So which means God the Father came, took Jesus and he anointed him with the spirit of the Lord. Not with oil. He anointed him with the spirit of the Lord and as soon as Jesus received that anointing, he began to preach the gospel to the poor. This is the, the, the expression, so to say, of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So Jesus had seven spirits. One spirit but seven attributes of the Spirit in him. Okay? Are you okay? You sure? Now go to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm so glad this church loves the word. And we'll read from verse 21 and 22. Sorry, 20. We'll read from 20. For all the promises... Of God in him, in Jesus, are yes and in Jesus, amen. To the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us in God. 
who also has sealed us and given us the spirit. say it spirit. who's it spirit. the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee okay now if you go to John chapter 3 and verse 34 John says he has given us the spirit without measure When I started talking today, I said, God has given you a measure of faith. But then he gives you a spirit, his spirit without. No, come on. I need you to get it. I need you to get it. Be okay. He said, don't think highly of yourself. You have a measure of faith. Think according to that. But then he baptizes you with his spirit who has, is limitless. The spirit in you is limitless. Come on, man. Now, let me tell you what is in you, okay? Go back to Isaiah chapter 11. It's the same spirit. Same spirit that was in Jesus lives in you and gives life to your mortal bodies. This is the same spirit. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of the knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And his delight is in the fear of the Lord. You must understand, when God gave us his spirit, he gave us a measure of faith, but a, a limitless spirit. Wow. Why? Is because the spirit carries faith. That will cause you to do things that are limitless. So when it does happen, you don't make it about you. When you pray for that person and the dead person rises up, you're not like, whoa, let me put an Instagram post about my ministry, brother. No, no, I know. I know my measure of faith and I know what he has done. I know who has done this in my life. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 1. Let me give you another description of one of the spirits of God. Okay? Ephesians chapter 1, 17 to 19. And this is Paul praying for the church now. This is, he's praying for you and I. Okay? He says that the Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the... What spirit? The spirit of wisdom... And in the okay, stop there now. He's saying, I pray that God would give you one of the attributes of the Spirit. We have all of them in us already. But he's saying, I pray that the 
that God would, would highlight, would open up this spirit to you. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Not of anybody else, not of the church, not of doctrines, not of theologies, not of all of that stuff, not of a career, nothing, none of that stuff, but him. You need the spirit of wisdom to reveal God to you. People who don't have God are not wise. People who don't have the knowledge of God do not have wisdom. What causes you to have wisdom is a spirit that gives you the knowledge of God. Okay? Now, and this is the impact of the spirit of wisdom on your life. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Oh my gosh, which means as the Holy Spirit unveils the mysteries of the glory of God, you just get it. You're not like, uh, uh. <laughs> I do that sometimes, but I, I've, I've learned, I said, Lord, uh, before I read my Bible, God, can you give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation? Activate it in my life. Because when you start activating the spirit, now he opens up the scripture to you like nobody else. What better person to tell you about God than himself? It's phenomenal. And then he says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Not your calling. Hello. Who's calling? He's calling. Right? Here, what are the riches in your bank account? No. What are the riches of his glory in his, of his inheritance in the saints? What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Come on, man. Come on. Come on. So you have lots of Bible study to do this week. I would love to listen to your discussions in life group. It's going to be super intense. Very intellectual church this is. Very, very intellectual. You know why? Because the seven spirits are in this church. It's one spirit, but all seven attributes are in this church. It is in each and every person. So when we talk about the spirit of wisdom, we know. I get it, brother. I get it, pastor. You don't have to keep explaining over and over again. I get it. <laughs> I'm telling you, you don't know what's coming. <laughs> but you are going to be so powerful. You're going to be so pumped because of understanding the Holy Spirit. Some people, I've heard people say, you know, we don't talk about that. You know, I, I believe he's there. The Holy Spirit is there. But uh, in our church, we... The people get upset if he starts moving. The people start looking at their time when the Holy Spirit starts moving. You know, they have plans. But I know that God has plans as well. 
and his plans are for you to prosper. So why wouldn't you want to stay in a place that is causing you to prosper? You know, our church, there are people who come to our church at 11.30, 11.45. And they stay back till 9 o'clock. You know why? Because they're getting prosperous. The longer you stay in the environment, the longer you're getting submerged in the glory of God in this room, I'm telling you, you're getting prosperous. Just think about Arun's daughter. I mean, come on, man. 19 months of not going to the hospital. The father is sitting in this room and he walks home and the glory of God is gone with him and his daughter is getting healed and better because of the prosperous glory of God in this church. Come on. The same spirit. The same spirit. Spirit of wisdom. Spirit of revelation. The spirit of might. Do you know Jesus was very powerful? Can I give you an example of Jesus' power? At any point in time during the feast, there in the temple, there were at least 5,000 to 50,000 people in the temple. Whether they were counting change or selling doves or worshipping, whatever it was. And Jesus drove them out. Have you tried driving one person out of a room? There must be something that came on Jesus that gave him this might. Man, I don't know about it. I don't know. Increased faith. The gift of the spirit is increased faith. It's not your faith. It's his faith. Oh boy. <laughs> but the devil is in trouble when you find out how much of faith the Holy Spirit has. Oh. <laughs> Maybe you don't know. We will go through it today now. Are you okay? Yes. Are you enjoying this? Yes. It's a little different compared to uh, the normal times. But I really felt like today we're going to build into you. Amen. The knowledge. The knowledge of God. So I want you to go now. This, actually, this passage of scripture is the main passage of the series. After two weeks, we've reached there. It's really good, man. Go 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just remember, same Holy Spirit. Okay? He has seven attributes. All of them are new. <laughs> Don't listen to anybody that tells you, come here, come here. I want to baptize you with the spirit of wisdom. You should tell him, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I already have it. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I can get him out. If you can pray for me to get him out, it'll be good. If you believe Jesus as Lord, and you believe in him, he baptizes you with his Holy Spirit. Every believer... Okay, say this, every believer, every believer is, baptized is baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Every, believer every believer 
is anointed with the Holy Spirit. Put your hand on your head. Hand on your head. Say, I'm anointed. I'm anointed with the Holy Spirit. Finished. That's good. That's it. You're anointed. You don't need special anointing service. I've anointed you. The day you got saved, you got anointed. Don't listen to anybody that says, brother, the anointing of his life has gone away. <laughs> That's just legalism. The anointing can never leave you. The Holy Spirit never leaves you, never forsakes you. Never. See, let me tell you, the Spirit came upon Jesus because he was obedient. He obeyed the word of righteousness. He wanted to fulfill all righteousness, so he got baptized. When he got baptized, heaven opened, Spirit came, and it remained. When it remained, it means that it's the work of grace. The Holy Spirit made the choice to stay. The Holy Spirit is not running away from you just because you had a fall and you've sinned and you did all of that. The Holy Spirit is sitting inside you going, okay, next test coming up. Don't believe a lie that somebody says because of your sin, your Holy Spirit has left you. How rubbish. It's rubbish. It's rubbish. So good to be in this church, right? The Holy Spirit never leaves, never forsakes, full of grace, full of power all the time. You've had, now, saying that, thank you for the applause, saying that, you can dull your senses by sinning. Okay? That's your choice. But the Holy Spirit is not leaving. Right, so we had 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Right. Now concerning spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts, gifts of the spirit, okay? I do not want you to be ignorant, thank you. You know what you were, Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. I just love Paul. He's, and the word dumb is in the Bible. It's like... <laughs> okay, I'll read it again, okay, because I... You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were Look at me now. What were you? So it wasn't you sinning. It was the idols taking you away. <laughs> if you didn't wake up and say, today I am going to get high on drugs. No. <laughs> An idol called drugs came and led you away. Which means you got baptized with the drug. You can either be baptized with that or be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit does exactly the same thing. He leads you. Come on now. So good, the word is good. Huh? Therefore, verse 3 I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Right, the Holy Spirit, not the 
pastor preaching a phenomenal message, a keyboard coming and having an emotional moment and people lifting up their hands and saying, Jesus is Lord. Come on now, read your Bible. It's by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. And this verse 7 is really where my heart really is founded in. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Not just the profit of the one on the stage, but the profit of So when you start manifesting the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's not for you. It's for the benefit of somebody else. That's why when I started worship, when I came up here on stage and I said, you cannot think about yourself when you worship. You've got to love somebody so much that your worship, when you express this gift of worship and you you release the Holy Spirit in the room, somebody else is getting impacted. Come on now. So good. Verse 8. Now this is where it's, he's beginning to talk about the Spirit. All right, These are the expressions of the Spirit. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. Another gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another working of miracles to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Come on, man. Give God glory for that phenomenal definition of the Holy Spirit, the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, when we will go through this word by word over the next few weeks, not few weeks, probably by the end of the year we'll finish this. When John, when when the book of Luke says that the spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus, he was talking about the manifestations of the spirit of the Lord. But here, there are nine expressions, or let me call them super abilities, that are in you, that was in Jesus, that is in you now. Now, when it says that the Spirit of the Lord, that Jesus came out of the wilderness, please listen to me very carefully now. When the Spirit, it says when Jesus came out of the wilderness, He came out filled with power. So there are three power gifts. Okay? The first one is the gift of faith. The second one is the gift of healing. And the third one is the gift of miracles, the working of miracles. Now, I don't know if I have time, but maybe I'll do a little bit of gift of faith today. And then we'll go into the others next week. But when Jesus was filled with power, 
these three expressions of the Holy Spirit were seen in his life. The gift of faith. It's not your faith. It's a gift of faith. This faith is not something that you decided that I'm going to be full of faith today. I'm going to work up my faith. Work, 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 work. This faith is something that comes into you because of purpose. It does not come to you to make you feel good. It comes to you at a moment of crisis where somebody's life or your life is at stake. Usually firemen have the gift of faith operating in their life. Policemen have the gift of faith operating in their life. They don't know it, but the Holy Spirit is doing it. They don't have to be saved, but the Holy Spirit is saving people through them. No, I don't. Doctors in the emergency room, they're operating in the gift of faith because they have a faith that, that something will happen. I'm trying to save people. Do you understand? God, if, you were, if you're a Christian, which I know you are, and something happens to you, meet with an accident, which will not happen, but just give you an example, if you meet with an accident on the road and you're taken into emergency, who do you think is giving the doctor the ability to fix you? You can't say, doctor, you're not saved. You, <laughs> you cannot touch me right now because I have the Holy Spirit. No, don't be foolish. You will stand before God faster than the doctor can reach there. Do you understand? You learn to submit to the working of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> when we say power, it's talking about the gift of faith, working of miracles, healing. What was Jesus' ministry? What was the demonstration, the expression of the Holy Spirit through his life? It was all about healing, miracles, right? And faith. There was one time Jesus was walking and this mob comes to him. Mob of Pharisees and scribes. And they come to him and they take him and they want to throw him off the mountain. And Jesus decides to just walk through them. It's a gift of faith. It's might. Some of you need the gift of faith in church. Yeah, seriously. Gift of faith to stay awake. Because <laughs> you need it. Need God's supernatural ability to keep your eyelids open. <laughs> You must understand, when we talk about the gift of faith, we're talking about you being so powerful in a moment that when the moment has passed, you don't even know how you did it. How did that happen? You know, when the gift of faith is operational in your life, 
You could, you could say, when, when the gift of faith is not operational in your life and the measure of faith is operational, you'll be like, oh, okay, you have a headache? Okay, let me heal you. Let me pray. Oh, Lord, I release healing into that body now in Jesus' name. Headache's gone. <gasps> it's gone. Because <laughs> you have so much of faith that you can't even believe that God would heal somebody of a headache. Because it's a measure, isn't it? We get surprised. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What got healed? Oh, my gosh. Testimonies at lifechurchglobal.com. <laughs> pastor, pastor, I got a job, I got a job. <gasps> it's not a gift of faith, it's a measure. Let's say you're doing really well with that. And you're exercising the word of God, and you go from headache to stomach ache, and now muscle pain in the body. And then now God, because you're so led by the Holy Spirit, God takes you and he says, John, today, you're going to have a person come to you in a wheelchair and I want you to raise them from the wheelchair. Whoa, hold on, hold on. I'm good with headaches. <laughs> I don't have the faith for people coming out of wheelchairs. Please, we are all in that place. But because we love God and because we're so led by the Holy Spirit, we say, okay, God, I'll go. Whatever my little faith is, use mustard seed. I'll pray, God. And you, if you want to heal, <laughs> for your glory, <laughs> I lay hands and I'll pray. And so you walk up to the person and then your heart is now do 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 because you have to walk up to a person in a mall you've never met, who's in a wheelchair, is happy, like he's like relaxing, his family's around him and you have to walk up to him and say, uh, God sent me to heal you. <laughs> and he's like, uh, what? See, but when you come into that place of obedience and you walk up to that person, as you're walking up to the person, something switches. Something shifts from, from being this timid little person to becoming a lion. And you're standing, you're walking to that person knowing, without a shadow of a doubt, this person will get up from the wheelchair. Right? Walk up to the person, hold them by the hand, and say, rise up in the name of Jesus. And then when they do, you're not impressed by yourself. You're like, praise the Lord. And you walk away because you don't even realize what has just happened. You walk away and you say, well, these are my details. Contact me. You want to go join life group? You want to come to my church? <laughs> Give them all the details and leave them. And they go uh, leaping for joy because they just got out of a wheelchair. And you walk away, and then suddenly the, the gift of faith just goes to your level, and you go, oh my God, I don't know, I don't know how that happened. But it's okay, it's absolutely okay. You know what happened in that moment? The Holy Spirit took a hold of you. Why? Because he wanted to heal that guy, because he has a plan and purpose for 
God has a plan and purpose for that man's life. And because you have submitted yourself to Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit said, okay, now I'm going to take this guy, even with his little measure of mustard seed of faith, I'm going to take him. I'm going to raise this guy out of the wheelchair, raise this guy out of, out of the dead bed that he's in. He's, by the way, somebody is listening to me who's in a wheelchair. And right now, the Lord is saying to me that you will rise up out of your wheelchair. If you believe in the word of God, right now, I command you to rise up from that wheelchair. And there's a person who's listening to me that, that the Lord is saying this, that you've just received a report that you have the beginning stages of cancer. And I, right now, I take full authority over that cancer and I rebuke cancer out of your body right now in the name of Jesus. I thank God that cancer has just left your body. It will never come back again. Right now, lupus is being healed in Jesus' name. There's a woman who has rash all over your body. It's, it's like prickles. The rash is like prickles. It's hurting your body. Right now, every time you wear your clothes, it's hurting your body. The Lord is saying he's healing you right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. See, God is looking for faith. God is looking for faith. He's looking for someone who has even a little, tiny little bit of faith. Because that faith attracts the power of God. It attracts the power of God to you. And when the power comes, the gift of faith is operational. It's in the power. It's a power gift. It makes you very dangerous as a Christian. Very, very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. You can smash every plan of the enemy with the gift of faith. But I'll tell you something about the gift of faith. It's a gift for greater works. Greater works. For example, Moses, he reaches the point in the wilderness, where it's the sea in front of him. Takes a stick and touches the water. And it splits. I'll tell you something. Nobody in history is known for healing headaches. But the Holy Spirit makes you known with his gift for healing things like HIV, for healing terminal diseases, for raising the dead, for casting out demons, cleansing lepers. You understand, you need the gift of faith for that. But you would be, he's so, he's so willing to share that he gives you the glory. People will know you because of the greater works. Nobody goes, well, God parted the Red Sea. Then Moses did it. They don't say God slayed the giant because the giant is nothing in front of God. They said David slayed the giant. How did he do that? Well, because, well, you know, in the, he was slaying the lion and the bear. Those are private victories that caused the capacity of faith to grow. And the greater the capacity of faith, the, the gift of faith came in that moment. And he says, who are you? Philistine. I didn't want to use the other word. 
and he takes a stone. Listen, you want to know how greater works are done? God takes little things and smashes giants. That's the gift of faith. The gift of faith, when it's operational in your life, you walk away realizing, oh dude, I'm absolutely nothing without the Holy Spirit. The gift of faith, when it's operational in your life, you don't even know that it's operational. It's not like you can have control. Oh, I have the gift of faith. It comes out. No, touch. doesn't work like that. And the gift of faith is operation. I'm, t- I'm telling you this because you're going to walk out of these doors and you're going to enter into wilderness. God's not going to bring a giant before you until you overcome the enemy in the little victories. You want the gift of faith? You want to do great things? Do little things with the measure of faith in you first. <laughs> One person gets it. Do you understand? How many of you want the gift of faith? Put up. Yeah, put up. What if I told you it's already in you? (laughs) But see, the gift of faith is not operational when you wake up. The measure of faith is operational. And the measure of faith makes way for the gift to come through. Oh, come on, man. The measure of faith that is in you, the little tiny little faith that you get scared, come public speaking, stand up on stage and preach. <gasps> come lead worship. Then sings my soul. <laughs> How great is our God. <laughs> But see, in order for you to come on, on stage and, and demonstrate, like today when Tabi was leading worship, there was a moment where my timid little sister went from, from becoming just a good worship leader to becoming a lion on stage. You know why? Because the gift of faith suddenly took a hold of her and said, this is what the church needs. timid little sister. <laughs> so cute. Can I be honest with you? The gift of faith does not please God. Being faithful to the measure of faith that's already in you is what pleases God. Be faithful with the little and he will give you a lot. You know, this gift of faith is a supernatural gift, man. It makes you a superhuman. I've read stories about women whose children were trapped in the car and women tore the door open to rescue their babies. I mean, where does that come from? Not looking to see whether you're a Christian or not. The gift 
God has a plan and purpose for that baby and the faith comes in and causes you to do great things. You know, I'll tell you, childbirth, you need faith. The gift of faith. Mothers are like, you don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I haven't tried, but... But I can say, I can look at what is happening over there and I can listen to what you go through and I can acknowledge that it takes the gift of faith in order for you to give birth. Can I tell you one more thing? Because he told me to tell you this. When the gift of faith is operational, and you like this a lot, okay? When it's operational in your life, it's when God works on your behalf. When he works on your behalf. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Just think about Daniel in the lion's den. They took him and threw him in a lion's den. The lions are supposed to eat him up. But the Bible says that the Lord, who? The Lord shut the mouth of the lion. The next day when they threw the other guys in, the Lord wasn't there. <laughs> but I want you to understand what I'm, what I'm saying right now. When you talk about the gift of faith, the Lord begins to work through you. He begins to work on your behalf. We're not talking about angels now. We're not talking about angels. We're talking about the Lord himself. Because what you need in your life in that moment is God's faith. Because your faith will not be able to do those things. You need the faith of God in order for you to accomplish these great things that God has called you to do. But I want to tell you this. All of us, all of us have greatness in us. All of us. Every single person in this room, you have the gift of faith in you. But what you may not have is the ability or the consciousness to submit to the Holy Spirit. That's where we come into environments like this and we, we come before God and we say, God, I just, today's the day. I'm done running my life. I'm done ruining my life. I want to submit to you the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. There are giants that are waiting for you. There are storms that are waiting for you. What if, what if one person in this church, God gave you faith. Please listen to me now. And I'm speaking to a person in this room. God gave you the faith. What if you're that person in the planet that every person you prayed for with HIV AIDS gets healed. 
What if God said, I'm going to take that, that gift of healing and I'm going to put it in this one person. How would you manage yourself? So you know what he does? If you were that one person and you had the cure to cancer or you had the cure to terminal diseases, do you know you won't sleep, you won't eat, there will be people standing outside your house, they will go through your life with a fine tooth comb. God knew that if he did that to a person, your life would be over. So what he did was, he took this Holy Spirit and he put them into billions of people. So the, so the cure to cancer now, sitting right next to you. The cure to terminal diseases, sitting right next to you. They probably didn't even shave today, but they still have the cure to cancer. Probably didn't even have a shower, but you still can heal. I hope you have a shower, but, but if, you, if you didn't. Do you understand? You are not an ordinary person. You're not natural. See, but, but you can stop yourself. You can hinder someone else's breakthrough by considering yourself more than him. You can consider somebody else. You can stand, come here on stage and you can play music. Or you can sit in the crowd there and think about yourself. You can come up here and play music and minister the, 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 the sound of heaven into people's lives where their lives can, ex- they can experience the ecstasy and the bliss of the presence of God through in sound. Or you could just sit there and make it all about you. You can go to your offices and be the solution to all the problems or become the problems that need solutions in your office. That's a really good word. I hope you understand what I'm saying. You're the one. You're the one. Jesus was one. But you're the one. Jesus was one. But you're the one. He gave his spirit to you. And his spirit now lives in you. And that spirit has some phenomenal abilities. He's just looking for an opportunity for faith. He's looking for an opportunity for a terminal disease. You should be hunting these things down. You should be looking. Lord, what's my next challenge? Lord, what is my next not my next paycheck. Lord, when is my next challenge coming at me? You, some of us can be like, ah, oh, but you know, my life sucks and my, you know, I'm not getting a f- good thing by God and God doesn't love me, blah, 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 blah. You can make it all about you. Or you can say, God, if I don't have a job, if I don't have money, if I don't have all of these things, I know that your spirit has not left me. So what can we do today? 
What can we do? Instead of me sitting at home and sulking, what can I do to exercise this faith that I have? And I feel like God is inviting us into this life. You know, I'll tell you, um, I, was, uh, um, I was preaching one day in this church, phenomenal church. The guy's not in the room. I don't know where he's gone. Oh, he's there. Yeah. And it, it wasn't in this setting. It was the other setting. Some, some, this is some few years ago when we started. And I was preaching, 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 preaching. And I know Angelo had cancer. I was preaching. I was talking about stuff. And I walked past him. And suddenly, I said something that I would not have said normally. I said, stop taking your medication. The Lord is healing you. I walked away. And I felt like Do you understand? It came to me in five seconds and left. So Angelo said, if Pastor John said it, I believe it. I'm going to stop my medication. And the doctors will testify. So that's faith. Measure of faith. Power is attracted to measure of 